Hi, this is Jack Iglesias. And Luzmira Serpa from Family Atlantica. We're here in London, UK, and you're listening to a Soundway Records podcast, introducing our new debut album, Family Atlantica. Full power! <laughs> There's also a bit of a story behind the two of you meeting, isn't there? Because the two of you are married yeah. and, and have a young son. Yes. Right, yeah. Okay, so how, how did the two of you originally meet? Well, I used to go to a, a huge, gigantic um, warehouse party um, that people could, you know, it was a huge Jam. It was called Project 142, yeah. and it was in an industrial complex of buildings quite far out in East London, sort of on the way to Leighton, and it just became this magnet for an incredible wealth of, of, of all the underground mm. culture and the characters and the artists from all over the world. And we, we first met there, didn't we, in a, in a big circle of drummers that were playing. There was about maybe 20, 30 people playing drums in a big circle. And I was in the middle playing a cowbell. And then Lizmira walked in suddenly singing a song. What were you So then I looked at her and she was singing. And I was like, wow, she walked in the middle with her hands up. And I turned around and I looked at her and I thought, my God, that's a beautiful woman. And she's, she, you know, she's got soul power. And I, I love that song as well, which is a classic by Celia Cruz. And so I started to sing the harmony part on top of her. I wasn't expecting someone to, to, to know the, the harmony to that song, so it was a surprise for him that I, you know, I walk in singing his favourite song, and it was a surprise for me that he knew the harmony. And yeah, so everything started there musically. Wow. You've kind of already answered this question about the three of you making music, I was, I was going to ask if the music flowed naturally between you from the start, mm. obviously. Um, it Very really, naturally. It really yeah. did. did. Did each of you have some knowledge of the particular styles that each of you brought to the table? Definitely, yeah, but there was there was a definite overlap as well that, was, that really united us together. Kwame is a very interesting musical character who's was born in Nigeria because his father was playing with Fela Kuti's Africa 70. His father was from Ghana. And he was really the first Ghanaian, I think, to play with Fela's band. And so Kwame grew up for the first few years of his life in Nigeria while his dad was there. And then they moved back to Ghana. And he's grown up really between these two countries in West Africa. And, and his father is a, is a real master percussionist. And he's drawing on very deep, profound roots. And he's He's got that kind of uh, real soul of, of the Afrobeat thing as well as many other things. And at that time, I was was very, very into that sort of sound, the West African thing, and, and listening to a lot of Afrobeat. And we would just get together and, and just vibe on that stuff, you know. And likewise, for me personally, with Liz Mira, I was also so into Latin music, you know, old salsa brava, you know, the really kind of darker, heavy Latin stuff, the discarded stuff, 60s and 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s really, those three decades, kind of golden era of 
analog recording and and of of musical styles I think as well personally and we really shared that as well and then I guess there's Mira and Kwame maybe you had this 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 familial connection in the music just just in the actual roots of the folkloric rhythms that you 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 knew you could relate to each other like that I guess. absolutely for me I always did Afro-Venezuela music in Venezuela and then I always had that dream you know how I, like, oh, this music comes from Africa, and blah, blah, blah. And then I remember it, it was a dream, you know, just I used to sit in the beach in Venezuela and imagine that on the other side there was Africa. And I always wanted to, to, to meet those guys, you know, to, to go to the roots and, you know, very romantic idea. And then I come here, but so I have to find my own identity. And I said, okay, I do Afro-Venezuelan music. Uh, okay, what are, they, what are the other Venezuelans who can play this rhythm. So every time I would go back, I would train, you know, how to play myself. But it's, it's, they are so complex, those rhythm that you really need more people. So I try and I play the cuatro as well. And it was, and then suddenly I said, look, I do, I'm, 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 I'm a folkloric musician and I know what folklore is, is expression of the present. So my present is all these people. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play with the Africans, and then I forgo all these kind of desire to do an Afro-Venezuelan thing. I'm just gonna do my thing with them. a little bit about the abandoned vicarage where I guess you were living mm -hmm. uh, and and where all the musicians happened to come through and I guess the whole process of the album and how it came together. It's a long story <laughs> but to try and shorten it somewhat we became very organically part of a, a collective of artists that, that converged together to occupy an abandoned vicarage in Dalston in East London and we lived together for some time there and um, it was a collection of, of fluctuating numbers but maybe at about sort of 15 roughly um, people from all different countries but there was a lot of South Americans, Africans uh, and Europeans and the mixture of cultures that that created was obviously very rich and um, living in an abandoned space gave us time as artists. We weren't chasing after the next rent payment and working just to pay the next few days to live and so on, trapped in that cycle. I know, but it, it was also, I have to say, it was, a, you know, the quality of the space. We had a big space for each of us and you know it was beautiful the architecture is, of that building is, is really beautiful so we have a space to be we, we have space you know to create you know and we have space to invite friends along and we magically organize like a really cooking good quality food so 
people would come and we developed a thing to do barbecues on Mondays. Barbecues on Monday and it was we cook together and then we would jam after that in the house. Mm. So was the was the album recorded there? Some of it um, was it was no, the really, ideas were, were, a yeah. lot of pre-production uh-huh. of the album happened there just quite spontaneously I think exactly as Asmira says um, after sharing food together we playing together enjoying together musical connections and explorations of people from distant parts of this Atlantic family who hadn't met before but could just play together quite naturally due to these kind of links that, that go back into the past um, so often we would capture ideas in those kind of circumstances that would then be the seeds that would grow into into yeah. tracks that ended up on the album with uh with regards to the record uh i understand it took about four years to produce mm. the whole thing was the record being written piece by piece over that time or was there a clear idea from the outset when you first started recording that there would be a set number of tracks and you had a basic idea that the shape of the album would take? It definitely evolved very organically. Um, Initially there was just this sense that we had stumbled across a very powerful connection and combination of different routes that we were sort of driven to explore. As we began to create tracks and recordings with a view to creating an album, there wasn't, I would say, a clear idea from the outset other than we knew we wanted to explore certain themes and features of certain styles. Now there are uh, some tracks on the album that were definitely driven, um, the, the, I guess the, uh, the theme of the tracks was driven by some of your guests. Um, I'm thinking about Escape to the Plain with um, the Ethiopian musician Mulatu um, Estate. Was he a musician that happened to be passing through the house? No, not that way round. He and I were working together um, through his collaboration with the Heliocentrics, whom I play with. Um, and we worked together closely during his collaboration because I was doing the arranging really in the Heliocentrics and Molatu's role is mostly as an arranger and a composer. So over the two, two and a half years that we worked together in that collaboration, we, we worked very closely together and we developed a real friendship. Um, then actually the story of that track, what happened was I made an instrument, I, I make instruments and I was experimenting with uh, an instrument that you can make out of a gas tank, which is a technique that a friend of mine had showed me and I was very interested to make one in an Ethiopian pentatonic scale because these instruments work very well in pentatonic scales because they have such a long resonance Uh, so I decided to make one in Ethiopian scale and then um, I began to write a composition to go with a track that began to emerge Um, then because I was working with Malatu I, I played him the composition and he was very enthusiastic, complimentary, he thought it was, was great, he said. And so then I said, oh, well, perhaps you'd like to, to, to come and guest on the composition. He said, yeah, sure, no problem. And so I managed to, to arrange things swiftly, get things together, and he came and stepped in on piano. And 
it was for me. It was it was it was wonderful to have him. Um, I've obviously written in the Ethiopian mode and and drawing a lot on his inspiration um, of Ethio jazz. So to have the founder of Ethio jazz come and play on your own Ethio jazz composition is is, is a great honour, and I'm. I'm very happy about that. Luz Mary, you had uh, three different generations of your family all appearing on the album. Can you run us through which family members they were and, um, and what they were playing? Well, well, my dad, I think, uh, yeah, my dad and my son is the, is my sister, and my sister, I think I'm making chords as well, back in the chords. Yeah. No, not this time. Not this time. <laughs> well, not in the, in the final. Um, what is the meaning of that? Well, they are my foundation. And the way I started music, it was through them. You know? So my parents and, you know, they taking me to this ritual called Tamunange. It's a whole night. Or, you know, it's a, an event that you play to San, Ant San Antonio, to a, to a saint. All these events they are really family related because it's your family, let's say, that who organizes it because you organize it with food, with you know, with the music, with the event in the church. So it's the way how I was educated to do music it's through those festivals. And then so to have my dad invited to to to, to the song, you know, the Tamonange Blues, it was essential to me because we always did that thing together. And then, and to have my son there, it's for me, is obvious because music is my life. Music is my life, you know. I, I go to a party, I take my song, you know, as my father used to take me. So um, it's, it's just, is the way I am. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's really normal to me. It's it's like a ritual, really. Luzmira has grown up in the Tamanangi ritual, like she said. This is an Afro-Venezuelan ritual uh, that can last all night with a lot of drumming and singing and dancing, stick fighting. Uh, I think that really with the live project, um, every performance is a ritual, and we draw very much on the structure of the African. Uh, musical ritual which is chanting, heavy rhythms, dancing, call and response with Lesmira leading and guiding the ritual and at the end of it there's a real there's a psychological change, a sort of spiritual change that, that takes place and that's obviously what music is really all about but we're, we're very aware of the ritual nature of the music that we make. Okay, so we were talking just then about the the ritualistic and spiritual aspect of music. Now, on the album, there is a track called Incantation to the Ancestors. Mm. Uh, which ancestors are you calling to? Are you calling to your own ancestors? Are you calling to the ancestors in the spirit of music? Yeah, I think we have culturally to 
you know, we, we, we pay respect to the people that have created this, this, this music before me. You know, all the rhythms that I use, I, I haven't composed them, you know. I have to pay respect to the composers. Um, me, as a singer, in order to make an interpretation, I, have, I made a connection with the feeling of the composer. And so most of those people, you know, because of the nature of the music that I do, most of them are gone. And then, yeah, I feel, I feel that we, we are a culture that... And I think it's good to incentivate that, to realize that, that I'm here, I'm present, but we, we, we come from somewhere, from these people who have done it um, before us. So I pay respect to, to, to all these people. Uh, there is also, also something for me during the, the making of the record, uh, Jack's sister died, and she was such an incredible um, inspiration. Also, she used to play the flute, and she was a dancer. And we felt that we, we wanted to say that. You know, I, I was thinking about her when, when I said it, and it's, it's something, yeah. It's an important part of the ritual as well, I think, the, this acknowledgement of the people who have gone before you mm. that have actually made everything possible and brought you to where you are, essentially, um, to kind of look backwards into the infinite continuity of the roots and then to move forward and grow upwards from there is the spirit of what we're trying to capture. Okay, now with the, uh, the actual recording process of the album, you chose to record as, as, as analogue as possible. Can you tell us a little bit about the decision to do this and, and perhaps what advantages and disadvantages offer you? Well, um, we come from a shared love of classic analogue music music from the 50s, the 60s and the 70s, which is really the golden era of recording, as far as I'm concerned. There's a sound that exists in those old recordings, which is just impossible to reproduce still with digital technology. There's just, however fast and glitzy it may seem, um, there's something that is just not replicatable with, with ones and zeros that you find in just the raw reality of, of analog technology. There's so much in the production as well as in the playing and the composing and the recording. It's so important just the way you record as much as what you record mm. in terms of bringing out the soul and the feeling and the ritual power of music. And that analog process is just the sound that we're after. That's the sound that we love. You mm. know. How do how does Family Atlantica typically start a song? Uh, are things largely coming out of jam sessions? Um, to an extent, it might either be jam sessions, or it might be the desire to combine mm. two or more specific elements that it has occurred to us have some 
something together, something to be made together, whether they have a link that feels like in the past, whether they're just things that should be brought together. Often the jam mm. sessions will come out of at the rhythmic level, playing rhythms together to from different countries and, and just feeling how that goes together and then thinking, okay, what are the wider elements in these styles and starting to explore and bring together. So I think this is one way, you know, what we want to say about Congo, what we want to say about slavery, what, what do we want to say? We have to say something. Mm. It's not just, you know, we want, I do tropical music and I, it's meant to be happy and da da da, but there are profound things that we want to express. And, you know, we think about palm trees and, you know, I think about the tropic, but where I come from, I come from a mountain and it's still tropic. And to go through the mountain to the city where my grandmother lived, you cross a desert. So there are so many colors in there that I want to say, hey, this is also tropic. This is, this is all these sounds and inflections in the voice. And then how, how are we gonna make that present and contemporary? How can we make that accessible to other people, to make it universal? That has been my, my kind of worry, and I permanently question myself how, how, how I'm gonna do it.